Welcome to the She's Electric podcast. I'm Pia, a passionate food consultant who is learning how to build my business while raising my young family. And I'm Kaya, dedicated business coach and enthusiastic yogi. It's our mission to help working mothers redefine the way they work and reimagine what is possible. We aim to be raw and real about the challenges and highlights we experience on our journeys of motherhood, business and life and hope that by sharing what we've learned, we can help you too. Welcome back to the She's Electric podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so happy to have you with us. How are you, Pia? What's been going on? What's been going on? God, where do I start? Um, Yeah, I had a bit of a, I'm just going to launch straight into it. I had a bit of a breakthrough in my week. And it was all around, I have a part of my business, which is is passive income. And it's essentially, I help to sell product for food producers. And then I take a, a really small sales margin on that. But as it builds up, then you start to get money coming into the business when you're not actually working. And this has been an area that I just haven't, I haven't built it up. I just... I have been dragging my heels on it for so, so long, and I could never understand why. Um, And I think I really, someone said to me before, because I have always worked in sales throughout my my career, she said, you have a block around sales, you know? And I was like, do I? You know, so I was putting all my energy into the consulting work that I do with, with my food producer clients, which is, you know, to go in help them identify trends, help them to see, you know, what consumers are looking for. Like, for example, people want a high fiber diet and they're struggling to to meet their fiber needs with a standard Western diet. So I'm going, okay, so how can we integrate more fiber using the machinery that you have, using the product range that you have? So things like that. Then I help them design the brand and then we help them get it to market. And that's the part I love, but that is me working, you know, trading my time for money. And since I got pregnant, I've really been going, you have to build up the passive side, which is, it's it's the part where, you know, I take the products in and the brands and the products that I've helped to create, the brand that I've helped to create, and then I make introductions into the market so that my clients can then get eventual sales and they can start to, you know, build basically high margin, high value sales because they're they're creating unique, unique products that solve a problem. I haven't been doing that part. And I, I suppose it's, I, I was thinking, I just don't want to go back into sales. I don't want to be a salesperson again. And then it's funny, you know, when you listen to things and for whatever reason, that thing just hits you at the exact right time. It's like something that you needed to hear. And I was listening to, um, there was two things. There was someone, um, Alex Hermosi, who we both know, um, who was talking about sales and he was saying sales is a numbers game. It's the more people that you reach out to, the more opportunities you create, the more chance of success. And he's like, it's as simple as that. And he's like, if you're not reaching out to a lot of people, you're not going to have many chances for success. So that kind of hit home. And I was like, how many people did you reach out to this week? And I was like, none. And last (laughs) week, none. And I was like, how am I, you know, one of my pillars of things that I want to grow in my business is the passive income. So I was like, this is never going to grow at the rate at which I'm investing time into it and energy. So I heard that. And then I am, I'm doing this course by Eric Edmeads. It's it's called Business Freedom Blueprint. And it's all about creating a business that doesn't need you in it all the time, that you can step away, which is, I need to do this before I have a baby. Like it just has to happen. So he said, he he talked about the different styles of entrepreneurship and, and that you will naturally veer towards one particular style. And he talked about this one, which is the negotiator. And he, you know, he was telling a story about his friend who they were, they'd gone for coffee somewhere and there was this big bridge in front of them. And his friend was like, oh, I am, I created that deal. And he was like, well, oh, he was like, wow. It was like this massive bridge. He said, yeah, it's like a couple of, it's like $1.8 billion for this bridge to be made and Eric said you must have made a killing on that deal and he went what do you mean 
And Eric was like, like, that's a massive deal that you brokered. Did you not, like, you must've made a lot of money on it. And he went, no, no, no. He said like, I just, I, I knew the bill, I knew the guys. And then, you know, I had this friend and he was an architect and he, he created the design and, and I knew that they were looking for a design. So he said, I just, just made the connection. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I have been doing that for years. And Eric said, we tend to veer towards things that are hard in life. So we have this bias. If it's hard, it's worthwhile and I can charge for it. So crazy. Isn't it crazy? And and he talks about when you're in school, like, you know, when you get your report card and you're really good at like history or you're really good at English, but you're terrible at maths. It's like what you're told is like focus on maths. Totally. So we're always conditioned to move towards, to lean into what's hard instead of Instead of being told like, oh my God, you're really good at English. Like we should just double down on this, <laughs> do you know? So I, that that connecting people, connecting food producers with food buyers has always been really, really easy for me because I'm so ingrained in the industry. And so I was like, I, I think it's too easy. So I don't like charging for it. I feel uncomfortable charging for it. So then I got up, I got over myself and I rang one of my customers and I I said, look, this is, she said, well, you know, what are you up to lately? And this is a one woman who I did recipe development for. I, I redesigned recipes for their menu. They're a big chain. And she said, uh, I, I told her that I'm working with food producers. I'm helping develop products, you know, based on what younger consumers want. And she was like, ooh, like, show me what you have. What have you got? She's like, I'm so interested. And I was like, I, I wasn't reaching out to her because I was like, I don't want to bother her. I don't want to bother her. Just so ridiculous. Then, you know, so we we spoke about a few things and basically she has an opportunity for a particular product, which she spends a million euros a year on this particular product, you know, and it was just through a conversation. And I would never have known that. I would never have created that opportunity had I not just picked up the bloody phone and called her. Then I rang my client and I told them, I was like, look, this is by no means in, but she wants to look at the products that we've created. I told her about the range um, and my client nearly fell off her seat. You know, she was just like, thank you so much. This would be life changing for our business. And I was like, I was actually denying my client of that opportunity. And like I that just because I felt it was that's too easy a call to so make. So good. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I yeah. think that the thing that's shining through uh, for me is this thing about, you know, things being too easy. Yeah. And our, our kind of rejection of things that feel easy and it's like we keep saying that we want these things we want to have ease and flow and we want to feel peaceful but we're chasing like this thing that's really hard over here and just saying I'm rejecting I'm not even going to try this thing that could be so easy and as you're saying those numbers to me I mean for somebody who doesn't have any passive income in their business right now this would be my favorite part of my business. It's Mm -hmm. so amazing that you've created any passive income. Like it's incredible. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. It's, and the thing about the passive income is it's, it's really hard to get it started, but then once you do and you have those established relationships and you have the established community or customer base, it's actually really, really easy. And I remember when I first set up my business, I, I really struggled to invoice people. Because that's kind of what I was doing. I was helping create sales opportunities for food, Irish food producers. And I just, I remember every month I used to send my invoices late. It was so, so strange. Uh, and I, I realized I had all these blocks around money and asking for money. It was like, I remember when I was a kid, my dad used to say, I'm going to give you seven, was it seven pounds or seven euro, seven, seven pounds a week. But you have to come and ask me for it. And I never asked him. I hated asking for money. I would much prefer to go out and earn it somehow and I had no problem going into my employer and saying I want to pay increase but I when I started invoicing for my own business I found that really really uncomfortable and that was not something that I was expecting. It's so crazy because also like when we were talking about this earlier in the week and you mentioned to me about you know this deal that you could be putting together the first thing that you said is you were like but I mean I know it's not as important as we were talking about another piece of work that I just secured. And you were like, I know it's not as important as that. That's like life changing. And it was ridiculous. Like that is so crazy that again, even though you've done it, 
there's still this story around yeah. it's not legitimate. Yeah. Like you yeah. don't deserve money for it. Even though as you've as you've just told that story then, and I loved the story that you told before about the um the guy who brokered the bridge deal, right? Because mm. it's like you like that story because that's you. <laughs> I'm really like, like I was like, why am I getting chump- money for this? I'm the chump staring at the bridge. And I've done that so often throughout my career, Kaya, where I have connected people, which has led to huge business for the two parties involved. And I'm just like, oh, no, don't worry. That's just a favor. Don't worry. It's fine. But when you were talking about that situation between, you know, your client, the two clients yeah, that you connected, well, that you were talking to earlier this week, you know, the, the, the sentiment that I was getting from you is that both of them were thankful Oh my God, they were so, so grateful, you know? You know, like you're adding something to them. You're creating an opportunity for them. Yeah. So what do you think the block is about? I honestly think that the block is about, in order for anything to be worthwhile, it needs to be hard. And that it's, it's the same with everything. It's like the exercise needs to be hard. You know, when you're getting a wax you're like it hurts okay this is good for me do you know what I mean it's like <laughs> we always lean into things that are are difficult um and I think that the things that you're naturally good at you don't feel is a reputable or a, a viable business because you're like well no that's just what I do I yeah just do, I just do that you know naturally and it's like exactly that's why you should be charging for it and that's why you can do it better than anybody else and it's I feel it's the same in work it's like we struggle to delegate so much because you want ownership of the whole thing of the whole project but it's there are so many things in work that I was just really really bad at and I didn't enjoy and you know I wouldn't go to other team members who were good at those things you know it was it was like because I, I feel the working world is very much you know, you have your own performance appraisal and it's kind of like, it creates this doggy dog culture where it's like, you need to show that you're better than people, which I really, I totally don't agree with, as opposed to it's like, we helped to bring this in together, you know, and it's, it's bring people from those different departments. So I think it's something to do with that. I, I, I really, I, I don't understand, but I think it definitely, for a lot of people, it goes back to childhood and being told to focus on things that you're, you're not good at. And we're never, ever told because we're all taught this very, very broad curriculum. It's never a case of, oh, my God, you're really good at that. So you should lean into it and you should do that more and more. But it's something that I'm trying to I'm trying to really understand what am I naturally good at? What do and what do I enjoy doing and what would be a value to people? And it's like where those that Venn diagram overlaps. That's the service that I'm offering to my clients. But the big thing with this sales piece is create you know I'm bringing my client on this whole journey around you know creating the product creating the brand you know identifying the need and a, a very very logical next step is to help them create the customer base so that has been absolutely huge for me and I I, I was on fire last week with just once I cracked that and I had that moment of insight I was on the phone to all the people that I know and I was I was explaining to them you know this is what I'm doing and they were all really really interested and they were just, they were nice conversations to have. They didn't feel like a sales call because, you know, these people have worked with me, they trust me and I'm bringing something of value. And I know I'm bringing something of value because I wouldn't help to create products that I don't believe in. Um, so for me, it was this really, really interesting uh, moment that when you break through a mental block, you can actually be so, so motivated and, and you can you can just work at a much better pace than you were before you had the block kind of cracked. I mean, that's so awesome to hear that you had such a great week last week and that you were reaching out and recreating that first experience that you'd had. What would you like? What advice would you give people who are experiencing resistance? So at the beginning of the conversation, one of the things that you mentioned was that you and, you know, we've talked about it since the beginning of the year when we you know, did goal setting together yeah. as accountability partners. You mm. were, you've been talking about wanting to grow your passive income. You also, I think it's something that you've had awareness of for a few months that there was some resistance there. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that's a common problem that people experience, that they say they want something and yet they have resistance to moving forward with that kind of, thing that they want Mm, completely 
we've all had that. It's like, you know, I'm looking at this vision board that I have here and there's a girl, there's a woman on it lifting weights. And I've been talking about wanting to lift weights for so long so that I can be stronger. And I'm just not doing it. And I think it's because we don't have a vision around what it is that we want. So I have basically created this to do for myself, which is you need to lift weights. And that's not an exciting vision. Like that's not making me go, Ooh, I really want to lift weights because I want to lift weights, you know? So I saw a bit, like I I recently kind of have been lifting weights by no means has it been anything um, exceptional, but I saw this, this man who was in his, he was 70 and he was just able to get down into a squat position and he was able to stand up from, from, you know, that squat position. And he was so flexible. He was so limber. And for me, it was just this wow moment of, you know, you can, or what defines a a 70 year old? Like it's so different to what it used to be. I used to think of a 70 year old, you know, it was my granny and my granddad and they were quite old. They were old at 60, you know, Whereas now it's like you see these 70 year olds and they're so, so young. And I was like, that's why I want to lift weights. I want to lift weights so that I have strength, that I can lift up my son, that I can still run around with them, that when I'm 70, I'm not this old, frail person. And so that was what got me. It, it's it's got me. I've kind of only just started, but following a, a, a regime and following a plan Um. And do, I'm doing it every day, like I'm doing even just a little bit, you know, just lifting a few weights every single day in the morning. Um, but it's felt much easier because I'm, that's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing me at 70 going, I'm going to I'm going to be young. You know, I'm not going to be an old 70 year old. So interesting. The thing that I'm hearing you say is like mm-hmm. in both those cases that you connected a reason why. So it's like yeah. with the passive income, I literally saw a light go on when you were I've seen the way that you've been thinking about the fact that because you're pregnant, you want to enjoy your maternity leave. This has become really important. It's like the, uh, the drive underneath it is that you, you want this income so that you can take time off for your maternity leave and maintain a certain level of um, abundance. And the same with the weights. It's like, you, you found a reason why this was important rather than just, mm. I want to be strong, which as you said, is not that exciting. It's like, I want to be able to be on the floor with my kids, my grandkids yeah. and, you know, seeing somebody else doing it and seeing this different vision of what 70 could be like, it was something, it was a reason. So mm. I, I I think it's really powerful for people to, to know that, that we've got to understand what the reason why yeah. is to, to why we want to do something. So, you know, being, say, saying you want to be fit, it's like, but why? Yeah, completely. You know, something like I want to be fit or I want to be healthy. That's not enough. I think that that's, no, what, it just, yeah, go on. It just feels like a to-do list. Like, sorry, but you just, when you say, you know, I want to be healthy, all you give yourself is a to-do list of like, okay, so now I need to and it's you start generic. going into the scarcity mode of, of you know, uh, you start restricting things. I can't have that. I can't have that. I can't have that. Instead of, it's like really drilling into why do I want to be healthy? How is it that I want to feel? How am I feeling right now versus how do I want to feel? And what's the gap? And it's like, when you keep that vision, like, so I was just picturing me having, so I took five months off for my first baby because I just wanted to get back to work. And I I had to, because I didn't have the money coming in and I was still breastfeeding and I remember, and I'm so lucky because my husband gets six months paid paternity through his company, which is a godsend. But I would be in meetings, I'd be on Zoom calls, and then like I could hear Enzo outside screaming, crying, and Stephen would be like, he's really hungry, you know? And, and I, I, I didn't have enough supply to pump, so it was just like I'd have to like, you know, call the meeting short and be like, sorry, guys, got to go. And then I'd feed him, you know? And it was just such an a stressful time and it meant that I wasn't able to enjoy those that that kind of from five months on and so my vision is that I want to take seven months and I want to be able to overlap some of that time with Stephen being off so that we're just all off together as a family amazing wouldn't that be amazing like it's so rare that you get these opportunities so I'm like yeah if I can get two months you know where we're just off together and we're sharing the the load of, of looking after this baby and looking after Enzo that is something that's something I 
it's tangible. It's something I can actually create for myself. And that's a really juicy vision that that makes the passive income stuff not feel like work. And what's interesting about that that vision is it's like it's not just something compelling that you can see in the future. It's also something painful that you don't want to repeat. So as you were describing, like being on a Zoom call and you can hear your baby crying and you know your baby needs food. It's like anyone who's a mother knows what that feeling knows what that feeling is. It's like as you were saying that I was thinking that there are so many women that I speak to mothers and the the word that comes up constantly is like failure. I feel like I'm Mm -hmm. failing. And it's like when we're trying to do all of these things, you know, and there's not enough, there's, there's just too much and it's overwhelming. That's when this sense of failure comes in. So it's kind of like you're moving to this quality time with, you know, your, your gorgeous little baby and your husband, but also you're moving away from this, this thing that didn't feel good last time. And I think it's interesting because I think that compelling futures are amazing. And it's one of the things that, you know, I use and I work with clients on a lot is what is that thing that you're moving towards? But you know what? There's nothing that makes you move faster than moving away from pain, right? Oh, completely. And it's when I'm helping my clients write their copy for the brand that we've created, I always talk about, you want to show them that the product that you're making can move them towards a desire that they have, but also that it can move them away from pain. And they're both really, really powerful incentives. And actually the pain one, it it can hone in on something that that the person is feeling right now. Whereas sometimes when you're creating this vision, they don't almost don't believe it. They don't believe that they could have that. But the pain is like, yes, you're right. I, you know, that is how I'm feeling right now. Um, So it is, it's it's an absolutely huge motivator. And for me, it's, you know, and I was, I gave a talk a few weeks ago at this, um, it was kind of, a, it was a woman's group um, and it was where we were kind of building our goals for the year and we all came together and we built vision boards and we, you know, we basically mapped out what we wanted to achieve that year. And I was, I was giving the talk and I was asking people in the group, you know, what is it that you want to do more of this year? And, and one woman put her hand up and she said, I want to do yoga. And I was like, well, why do you want to do yoga? And she was like, I don't know. I just should. It's something that I feel I should, I should, I should be doing some exercise. And I was like, well, what if you were to change that to you want to do yoga because you actually want to create space and you want to have some time to yourself every single day. And that yoga is the way that you can do that. And it's it's going to be a time when your husband and your kids and all of those demands are just they know when mom's doing yoga, this is her time. And they leave you alone and you listen to nice music and you light a nice candle. And I was like, does that feel like a more enticing proposition than I just I just should do yoga? And she was like, oh, my God. You know, it just it makes you want it as opposed to going like, I have to do it. Absolutely. I feel like there's two words that I really loathe coming out of my own mouth and also Mm -hmm. other people's. And they are should and try because both of them are just such a waste of time. It's like, don't do things for should. You should. Oh, absolutely. That is just get a stick and beat yourself over the head with it (laughs) and just stop trying. Either do it or don't do it. Yeah. (laughs) But just stop trying. I just think that's what society does. It makes us feel like we should be doing all these things. And actually, when you drill down into it, it's like, do I want to do this? No. And actually are linked because I think that lots of things that people feel like they should be doing, they then tell you that they're trying to do. Yeah, of course, because they're not they're not invested in it. (laughs) Um, Like I should be decluttering my house. That's definitely that's I'm just looking at my vision board here and it is something I'm trying to do. But that's another that's another day's work. But I'm interested to know how um, how was your week last week? Tell me what happened. My week last week, you know what? As you know, I love to do planning and I start my planning. You love a good plan. I do. And like when I start my planning process, I write down everything like my top achievements from the last week. And this week, I mean, it was it was wild because I think that one of the things that I love about planning is that it I think it's common people feel like weeks are blurring into each other and time is just passing and you know what's happening and the month's gone by and actually when you have a ritual where you mark the week what happens is that you don't have that sensation what you actually have is this incredible almost I would say the word that came to mind for me this week was like awe as in Mm. it's so crazy how much can change in a short period of time and I love to look back on you know where you were a year ago it's it it can be such an incredible thing to look at but just in the last week 
so many things have changed. So mm. I think there's been some like surface things as in I've made, you know, some really great money, which was amazing. Um, and I've had some, you know, success in my business, which was really, really cool. But I think that the big things that have actually happened have been clarity things. So mm. it's similar to what you were saying, like when you have these big mental shifts, mm. things shift in a big way because I think it's like you're unlocking this door and opening it and suddenly you're starting to look through and be like wow like there's a whole other room here and as you walk into that room you're like fuck it's not even a room it's a whole house um and I think that I have had some some big breakthroughs in terms of what I want my business to be yeah okay and where did you get to on that So I think that we've been talking about it, which has prompted this stuff to really come through for me. And I just want to say how helpful the conversations that we had earlier this week were, because I appreciate so much that I was able to talk to you and Mm. that you just kind of responded by really hearing what I was saying and just being so loving and kind of compassionate and it was, yeah, it was just such a, it was such a different experience, I think, for me to be able to, so just to give uh, anyone who's listening a bit of background, the the podcast that you are listening to is called She's Electric. And when Pia and I first agreed to do a podcast together, it was the first name that I suggested. And before I started my business, which is actually currently called the Warrior Mind Academy, I had been kind of dreaming about having a business for for a year I would say and I had in my mind like I've been wanting to do a podcast and I I had this this uh name and this brand in my mind of She's Electric and so as we committed to doing the podcast together and we also started talking about other things that could stem from it it brought up things that we needed to talk about which I think were really hard for me. I've never been in business with anybody. You obviously have. So that was hugely helpful that you were just so chilled about the whole thing. But I think I find it quite difficult to uh, communicate my feelings. Um, Pleaser is, you know, one of my top saboteurs. So it is, it does create suffering for me when I'm not able to communicate how I feel. It's a pattern. Um, And I think that just being able to say to you, this is where I'm at. And these are the things that are coming into my head. Like, I really love this brand and it's it's actually where I want to move my business. Um, it was it was a great practice, actually, in saying things that feel really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and I I anticipate my my the stories that I was telling myself in my head about how I sounded and, you know, what I I was demanding were just so they were so different from how you were reacting to what I was saying, Mm. which was that in itself was a great experience because I was creating this whole like thing that didn't even exist about the fact that I was, you know, being selfish and I was being a diva and I was being so demanding and, you know, I was trying to control the situation. And actually, as I said, you, you really understood what I was saying and Mm. actually because of the experience that you shared with me that you you know you've had from being in business with somebody before having that steady hand is what I would describe it as you were just a steady hand saying we absolutely need to have these conversations there should be no gray areas we need to be clear from the outset about what our expectations are about what we want and that kind of steady hand gave me more um, agency to be able to kind of dig even deeper and say okay, well, like, this is how I'm feeling. And this is what I want. Um, So that was kind of that was a that was an incredible experience for me to just talk through that with you. So I just want to say thank you so much for holding that space and just being such an incredible partner in that um, and friend, because I think you were both of those things. Um, And actually, another thing that was really brilliant about the experience for me was it was just this lesson again in the fact that we gain so much clarity when we take action yeah you know I think that I didn't really have any regret about the fact that I hadn't gone with that from the outset what I thought is 
that I got moving and actually I, you know, I have, I've started my business and I'm bringing in income and I had to do those things. And I had to try, you know, this direction before realizing that I'm circling the drain again and I'm coming in a bit mm-hmm. closer and I'm saying, okay, I've learned this. And actually this is what feels good for me. And I have, um, you know, we both work with a wonderful coach, James Williams. And as he coached me on this issue earlier this week, One of the things he said to me that just stuck with me and I have cherished it this week as an exciting reality is that there's no end. Like this clarity work and this journey that we're on is continuous because whenever you get to the place where you think right now is Mm. your goal, when you get there, then you're going to be creating something different and you're going to be looking for the next evolution. And I think that the reason why I just really cherished him saying that to me as somebody who's got a hugely successful business and is eight years into this game mm-hmm. is that I just want to enjoy it. You know, yeah, I don't want to, exactly. I don't want to feel like I'm chasing. I want to feel like I'm on the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And actually and that's how I've been feeling this week. I have been feeling like I am on a roller coaster where I am kind of whizzing and thinking this is, fuck. this feels amazing. Um, but actually I'm going to let go and I'm going to put my hands up in the air and I'm going to enjoy it because I know that, you know, nothing's bad's going to happen. And actually I'm strapped in and I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's when you let go like that, that that's when the magic happens. And thank you so much for saying all that. That is, it's such lovely feedback to hear because I knew the headspace you were in last week because I had been in it. And I remember being in that place with my previous business partner and he had an established business and he was making money and he was paying himself a salary every month. And I was definitely not, I had no established business. I was paying myself nothing. Um, so I felt like he had all the cards and I had none. And we spent so long talking about the structure of the business, how it was going to look, getting the shareholders agreement, you know, doing everything textbook, right but not actually getting into action and and moving the business forward. Um, And I, I mean, I was saying to you last week that I have had to do a lot of internal work myself on, I am now helping other food producers create the businesses that I tried to create during COVID. You know, and one in particular, I tried to create a, I had a sauce business and I was creating a range of healthy sauces because sauces tend, condiments tend to have more sugar than a bowl of ice cream. You know, it's like crazy. They're pure sugar. And I was trying to create a range of frozen or chilled sauces that were using fresh, like really, really fresh ingredients. And now I'm working with a sauce client and I'm going to help them create those things. And that was quite difficult for me because I was looking at these products and I was looking at their brand and I was like this could be my brand but then I was like no Pia what is the world that you want to see you know what is the food industry that you want to see and I, and I want to see a food industry that is is healthier and that you have producers who are being paid a fair salary because they're really not um and if I can create the products or help to create the products that people really want and it's going to save them time it's going to save busy parents time it's going to give their kids better nutrition you know all these things then I I what's the point in me holding on to that idea? Because I may never get the sauce business back, you know, scaled up, but these guys are ready. They have it. They have the factory, they have everything. And I've had to be okay with taking my ideas and, and giving them to someone else because it it's going to create something that I want to see in the world. And then when we were talking about the podcast and you brought the podcast idea to me, that made me so excited because I knew how much talking to you about these these topics that I just feel I never, I don't speak to, you know, with my friends about it. I don't have a peer group that I can talk to about, you know, issues in my business or issues in my career, because sometimes I feel like by the time you've, you've finished explaining to someone the dynamics of your role or, you know, it's like, you've kind of lost the point of the whole thing. And it's like, you understand exactly where I'm at in my business and you understand all the challenges that I'm having. So I was like, this podcast needs to happen. I, you know, if there's women who feel like, who feel the way we do, there are lots more women out there, you know, that, who feel this way. And then I was, you know, when you were talking about She's Electric, I was like, first of all, I don't own that name. Like you, you came up with that name. That is something that you brought. And I heard it and I thought it was really, really cool. And then I was thinking about all the other things that you want to do with She's Electric and changing your company to that name and all the coaching work that you do and the retreats and everything. And I was like, will She's Electric be a better brand if Kaya's working in a full time? Like 100% it is. Does the world need these events that Kaya can bring? Absolutely. You know, am I, you know, 
am I excited by the podcast and do I want to work on the podcast? Absolutely. You know, it's all these things. And I think that in patriarchal society, we are very much told that resources are limited and that, you know, we're all competing with each other to get to the top. And what I have realized in my life is actually when you are open and you act as if there's so many resources to share out amongst everybody and that there's a big pie that we can all get a slice of. It actually makes amazing things happen and and it makes you create more, which is why I've actually created all these business contacts throughout my career, because I always went in with that mentality of sharing, you know, sharing my contacts, sharing my leads, as opposed to other salespeople who would be like, no, they're mine, you know, and they wouldn't share that with anybody. So that, that was a real lesson for me. And then, so when you brought all these concerns to me you kept downplaying them and saying like you know I feel like I'm being crazy or you know that I'm demand being too demanding and I was like you're not being too demanding you're asking for what you want and this is something I just I, I see it in the working world men don't have a problem going in and asking for what they want and women always go in and they are apologetic when they ask for what they want um so it was actually it was really nice to see you you were struggling with that and then come out and say what you wanted. And I was like, okay, well, we can make that work. You know, that's completely fine. And She's Electric is just going to be so much better because you're, you've named your business after that and you're going to be working in it full time. So that was the insight. Just, just ask for what you want. Yeah. And it's so funny because I think as you're playing back what it was like being on the other side of it, it's, I remember saying to you, you know, I'm operating from a place of fear and Mm, that, As you were describing how when we come from this place where there is enough to go around and we believe that, you know, like we can share and we can co-create together. It's so true. Like the energy of that is so different from this fear of like protecting these things that are yours. Yeah. You know, that energy is so constrictive. It's the opposite of expansive. And actually, when we are generous with what we're giving to our clients with the Uh, ideas that we have and the way that we're operating that ripple effect is so much brighter and you know lighter and expansive so um yeah I, I really love that and I think that I find it so interesting that I found it so hard to say what I wanted mm. as somebody who is quite I do think I'm quite confident I'm quite reflective and you're my friend Mm. and it really showed me how strong that saboteur of pleaser is for me this thing that I think that I've got under control because I've been managing it in a particular situation which is mainly with my family and you know kind of cringing but but saying some things to establish my own boundaries yeah and I realized that it's still it's I think it's as you said it's it's deeply ingrained for many women because we feel like we we should be grateful almost for the things that we have because there has been you know progress from our mother's generation or for our, from our grandmother's generation we we have so much that it almost makes us feel like we can't you know ask we can't possibly ask for more yeah. um yeah. but it's okay. ridiculous because actually as you were saying that I was thinking back to experiences that I had when I was working in the corporate world Mm. where I had to I had to pander to other people's egos you know and I was thinking as as you're saying that I was thinking no one was pandering to my ego you know no no and I wasn't it wasn't I don't like to make these kind of generalizations but it wasn't women's egos that I was pandering to it was this kind of need to not overshadow men who were in in charge of me or you know and I, and I think there was two camps there was amazing men who I worked with who were actually usually a lot older than me and mm-hmm. very successful and just took me under their wing and were like mm-hmm. you will sit at the table and yeah. you will do this presentation and okay. giving me giving giving me the light and giving me the power mm-hmm. and then I think actually a couple of people that I worked with who are a bit closer to me in age it was this it was this need for me to like not not get too keen, you know? Yeah, it's almost like you, they create this competition and all of a sudden you're in this race that you're like, I didn't I didn't enter this race. Like, how am I here? And actually, because you know? I don't want to compete, what happens is you take a step back and you say, you shall. Yeah. 100%, absolutely. And also I feel for women in the working world, it's because so much of the, the upper management or the leadership team are men. So I, when you were talking, I was thinking of this colleague that I had when I worked in corporate as well. 
and she had just had a baby. She was just back after her six months maternity leave. And she went to her boss, her direct manager, and she said, can I come in 30 minutes early? Because that means I can leave 30 minutes late and that, and, or 30 minutes earlier. And then I can get the earlier bus, which means that I'll be home to give my son dinner. And she said, because I'm already out so early that I can't give him breakfast. So I'd like to have one meal with him. And her boss said, no. He said, I, I, he said I'd love to do it, but I can't because I don't want to create um, you know, one rule for you and then one rule for the others. I was, I just remember when she told me that, I was like, for fuck's sake, that is absolutely insane. Like this is a mother and he was a father, by the way, you know, but he was just so scared of this coming back on him. It's like, he forgot that there was a human in front of him asking to spend time with her son, you know? And I think I know I could, absolutely, I could be wrong, but I think if that had been a woman in that situation that she had asked, she would have been like, yeah, absolutely no problem. It's happening. And you're coming in early, you know, to make up the time. So I think that women struggle because they might be asking their manager or the man in the room something that it just doesn't resonate with them. They don't have the same issue, you know. Um, And actually, I think that that's really sad that that happened. I think most women don't even ask. Yeah, I know. She asked and got shot down. Which is crazy because I've been speaking to quite a lot of working mums over the last you know few months and the the overwhelming feeling that I get from so many of them is like their confidence is really really low mm. as they again it comes back to that feeling that they're failing at everything and yeah. it's 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 this pressure no one's telling them that they're actually putting that pressure on themselves you know completely and especially when you do have a baby and you're starting to juggle all these things and you start to feel like you are failing at being a mother and failing at your job because you're spreading yourself so thin um and it's a different situation for me because I have my own business and I can choose what to work on but I remember at the start I you know when I went back I was trying so hard to scale the business I was trying so hard to understand what my service was I was learning business coaching so I was doing all these lectures and I was trying to do everything and I was spending all this time in the evening with Enzo but I was I had one earphone in listening to my lectures so I was half in the room with Enzo I was half in the room doing my online course and I was doing the two of them really really badly you know and what I had to actually learn to do is that I can't do everything. I can't do every online course. I, I need to choose the ones that are going to have the highest impact for the least amount of time. And when I'm spending time with Enzo, it's it's quality time. And, you know, it's like it, he would prefer me to spend a good 30 minutes, fully invested, playing chasing with him, you know, doing all these things with him where he's like the only one in the room rather than a mother who's kind of half listening to him. Um, and I think it's about having those boundaries. But then, look, that's, that's what the working world as it's currently structured is not good at giving. I was talking to my sister-in-law recently and her son was sick um, and he had to stay home for a cook. She was like, oh, I'll be home from work tomorrow. And I was like, how does that work with um, taking time off? And she was like, well, we get three days parental leave, you know, for, for a sick child every year. And I was like, oh, that's perfect because children choose to get sick for three days only every year. You know, and it's just and that's not only her company, it's every company that I come across. It's they have these completely stupid and outdated policies that they actually aren't consistent with reality at all. You know, and so she has to take annual leave, her precious annual leave, her time off that she actually needs to recuperate from all the work and come back refreshed. And her company, you know, are making her take that to look after a sick child. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense to me the way we've structured things. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I was talking to this uh, lovely mum at Playgroup last week mm-hmm. and she was telling me about how she, her, her second child was just about to start nursery and mm-hmm. they had told her like that week that he couldn't start because he couldn't walk. And yeah. so she doesn't have him in nursery now and she was saying to me you know I just really wanted to start looking for another job and I feel like I need to get back back to work and I said to her what why do you feel like that like what's driving it and she said you know I just don't want to be completely unemployable and I said you know so you're operating from a place of fear like what 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 actually feels good for you like do you want to do do you want to get back to work is it that you need to do something different and you're excited to get back and you know because that that's different what as you were describing that situation uh with your that you experience you know when you have one headphone in and you're half mm-hmm. listening to your course and you're half with Enzo 
what was coming up for me is it's this like just do one thing at a time and it's it's so true I think like a lot of the overwhelm and a lot of the conflict for comes when we're trying to do you know multiple things at one time and then we're doing everything badly and actually it's this surrender that is so helpful in these moments of just like okay what what is the one thing that I'm doing right now if this is the 30 minutes that I'm with Enzo Mm. then I'm just going to be totally with him and I'm gonna you know forget about the work and I'm just going to let it go Mm -hmm. and if it's that you've you've invested that quality time with your child and now you are going to let your partner take over and you're you're not going to feel guilty because you've given him quality time so it's this like it's this a lot of it is work we need to do in ourselves to release guilt and also just decide in each segment of our day or each moment as it's happening like what what are we doing right now what's the one thing that we're doing because we can't do multiple things at once no you, you know, know and if your child gets sick or if something happens then mm. we've got to react to that I actually woke up to the most incredible message from one of my clients this morning and she said that she'd had this really um, intense end of the week and quite a hectic weekend because her child is sick she's a single mum and she said she was going into, um, she could feel on Sunday night the, the the emotions that she was kind of, the things that were coming up uh, in relation to the week ahead was, you know, like, why is this happening to me? Like, I hate my life right now. Mm. And so she started applying the, uh, the, the gift, like the principle of how, how can I turn this into a gift? Yeah. Amazing. I love that. How and, can I turn- into a gift and opportunity exactly and so she said that where she got to was that she could use this as an opportunity to spend quality time with her son yeah and she could she could let go of needing to control everything with her team Mm -hmm. and just let them get on with it absolutely that and see this is I, I see this all the time with my clients is that because of this mentality that resources are limited and we need to hold on to power you have people who don't want to delegate tasks and they don't want to empower their, like genuinely empower their team, which is, you know, we need to, this is the vision. This is where the business wants to go. What, how would you approach it? Because they're so terrified of this person being better than them at it. But what ends up happening is they have to check everything and they end up drowning underneath that. And then their team are disengaged because they're not, they don't actually have genuine ownership over a task. And also they're overworked because everything has to go through them. They've created this system where they are, they're the final check on everything. So it's, it's a situation that is born out of fear and it actually makes everybody miserable as opposed to the other way, which is uh, releasing power, realizing that you're, you have a certain set of skills that are really good and you naturally gravitate towards certain tasks and certain roles within the business or within your organization. And that you should be freeing up everything else so that you can double down on that and focus on that. Um, And then find the people who are really good at doing the things that you don't like doing um, and empowering them and getting them and, you know, telling them, you know, this is where we want to be and finding out and seeing from them how they think they can get you there. You know, and the, the most successful business people in the world, like Richard Branson, are people who have followed that philosophy their entire lives understanding they're not good at certain things and then hiring people who are much smarter much better at it than them and giving them power and just stepping out of their way so totally and it's also like you know this this client when she sent me this message this morning and she came full circle and she said I'm actually really looking forward to watching Harry Potter with my son today oh nice really glad that I don't have to go to this meeting yeah I was lit. I replied and I said, I just want to highlight to you that you've gone from thinking, I hate my life right now yeah. to, you know, <laughs> like I'm going to enjoy this special moment with my son. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is like the full circle of everything. Nothing in the, nothing needs to change around us. We need to change the way that we're yeah. looking at a situation. We yeah. need to change the patterns that are in our head um, of the way that we process information and the way that we respond to it. So I just I just think that there are there are these small things that we can do that we can ask ourselves like those questions that can create such a big shift. It sounds like a small thing, but over time, 
all of those moments where you're going to be hating your life turning into moments mm-hmm. where you're enjoying them and you're cherishing some sort of special connection with somebody like though that's truly life-changing that's how you change your life mm, absolutely I totally agree and it's as you said it's about understanding the patterns in your life of, of unhelpful behavior so whether it's holding on to tasks that you don't want to do and then it's having a vision of what you want how is it I want to feel what do I want my working day to look like and then not being afraid to ask for that and ask the people around you this is what I want and I want to bring you in on this um what would be your advice for someone who is feeling overwhelmed in their job right now and how they can start to cultivate that feeling that your client created my advice would be to ask themselves three questions every single day Mm. and it would be to to sit down and spend five minutes answering these questions, writing down their responses. The first question is, what do you want? The second question is, how do you want to feel? And the third question is, what's one thing that you can do for yourself today? And I think that those three questions um, are very, very powerful when repeated Mm -hmm. over a long period of time, because the thing that a lot of people are struggling with is clarity. And also, you know, they don't, they don't know what they want, but in order to know what we want, it's much, much easier to think about how do we want to feel? Yeah. And then, you know, there is something that you can do for yourself every single day. And if you focus on, you know, what is one thing that you can do for yourself, not for everybody else, just for yourself every day, that gets you into action. And I think that that is the thing that starts to build confidence and starts to build trust is when people Mm -hmm. get into action and it's just small steps that um, we need to take every single day to start to feel like we are moving um, and we're not stuck. Because I think that a lot of people who are experiencing overwhelm, who are in a negative headspace, the thing that they feel is they feel stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So to end this episode, I Mm -hmm. would love for you to tell me what was your high, what was your low and what did you learn this week? Oh my God. What was my high? What was my low? Oh, my high was definitely cracking the passive income thing and starting to Woo-hoo! make those calls. Yeah, and and realizing that actually I built it up to be something really, really difficult and it's actually not. It's like making calls and it's what I'm doing. I had this idea that I was this annoying little fly buzzing around people <laughs> trying to make a sale when actually it's like the work I'm doing is really valuable and people want to hear about these products and see these products. So that was like my high my low uh, to be honest I had a good week but I, I and I nearly threw my pregnancy nausea but I swear to god yesterday I was right totally right back in it energy gone you know when you can hear the the blood pumping in your ears it's like your body's working overtime I was like and I was dry retching over the toilet like just so 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 nauseous <laughs> and that was I was like I can't be back <laughs> in this nausea dry retching in the toilets definitely low oh my god absolutely so I thought I was through it and then when it just pulled me back it was like no you're not through this yet so that was uh like and in fairness that was only one day so it's not exactly a huge low what have I learned I actually did a really interesting why discovery session with uh another coach who you know Kelly and we are trying to delve into my why like what what's this thing that motivates me and why do I do the things I do and why was I driven to set up my own business and all all these things and we landed on a a memory basically all these memories of of me not feeling seen as a kid um and you know when you're it's whether it's your parents or whether it's in school like I used to hate learning Irish in school I just did I didn't want to learn it I and I was like you know, I went to a, a German school, a European school, and I was like, I just want to learn Spanish. Can I learn Spanish as well? Because I'd already learned German. And, you know, I speak fluent German and that has something that has carried my career. And I was like, I just don't see a job for me with Irish. It's just not something I'm interested in. And, you know, no one would listen to you. You know, the way the teachers like, you have to learn it. You just have to learn it. And that used to drive me absolutely insane. And I think I realize now when I go into factories and I see factory workers not being listened to and not being treated like humans you know not being treated well and I I've learned that when you bring people from the factory and you include them in the ideation sessions that I would run 
they have the best ideas because they're so close to making the product. They understand how the machinery works. They see and live and breathe this stuff every day, but they're never given opportunities to share their ideas and share their creativity. And that has always really pissed me off. So delving into those memories of not feeling seen as a child and not feeling listened to has made me realize that that's why I want to help people feel seen within, especially within the food industry, because a lot of people, like they've never had any opportunities, you know, and they're working in factories and the employers don't work to make it a nice environment for them. So that's what I've been working to change. And actually I'm working with some incredible clients who treat their staff just beautifully, you know, and they empower them. And, and when I see that working well, it's just the business just performs better. It's like, it's, it's just simple maths you know if you have lots of people working towards a common goal it's gonna it, everything's gonna tick like clockwork so that was a a longer answer than I was expecting to give but that was my big insight last week I love that. what about you what was your high what was your low so my high this week was after making for me what was like a shit ton of money mm. I went like shopping and I just bought myself like an insane amount of new underwear and I didn't even look at the prices I just went in and I just got whatever I wanted I and I think I sent you a message straight after and I was like yeah. oh my god this is crazy <laughs> um so I think that that was a real high for me because I was on the King's Road and I was in a super fancy shop and I was just yeah. like allowing myself to do something that normally I'd, I'm quite restrictive over myself you know I've yeah, have been for the last few years. So that was a real high. I was absolutely buzzing after. Um, I think a low for me this week was that, and it's it's an interesting one. It's like, as you know, I don't really drink. And mm. it was my dad's 70th and I didn't drink all day. And then he had some friends around in the evening. And I had like, I, I mean, I literally had like one drink, but I was sitting, I was tired because we'd been out all day and I was sitting at the table next to the cheese board and I was, I ate loads of cheese really late mm. and I had a glass of wine. And the next day, like, it wasn't that I felt, it wasn't a hangover. It just, I just, I I felt really like bad in my body. And I then went to, um, in the evening, I went to the playground with Luca and I bought myself surprise, surprise, a huge bar of Tony's Chocoloni and I ate the mm. entire thing, right? <laughs> and then like, a great day. This is Malone. <laughs> <laughs> then Sunday, I felt so bad. Like I literally yeah. felt like a piece of shit. And I was thinking yeah. it's interesting. Like it's not just the alcohol. So like, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not beating myself up because I had one drink, but mm. I really noticed that like, I had a lot of sugar and that made me feel really bad. And then mm. I was quite sluggish yesterday and I watched loads of television, which again is like very out of character. Um, so I think that that kind of ties into the thing that I learned this week, which is that I've got to allow myself to, like, it's okay to to do things that don't have an outcome. Yeah. I yeah. think I actually, whilst I was irritated about all the sugar and I I felt so bad in my body after just eating, like, not very well over the weekend I've had a quite a bad tummy but um I actually didn't feel bad about the fact that I watched three or four hours of the Real Housewives of Miami which you know it's very very lowbrow watching oh but totally like, yeah I loved the shit and it, it was like it was a reward because I thought yeah. I've been busting my ass you know exactly. since the beginning of the year and actually I just I I I it felt good. It almost felt a bit like the underwear to to be able to do something that was just frivolous. Yeah. Um, so I think that I just want to put a few more boundaries in place formally so that if I want to do things, I don't have this kind of sense of guilt. I, yeah. it, I think the probably learning part was that I, I, I do things sometimes and then I feel so guilty about it. Yeah, and yeah. I don't need to feel guilty. I, I that completely resonates with me because you and I are the exact same in that way. It's I will go out for drinks and I I'll just beat myself up the next day because I feel so crap, or I'll have a big pig out of chocolate and ice cream or whatever. And I get that sugar 
hangover, which I hate. And then I'm like, why did you do this to yourself? You know, and it's, <laughs> I can't, it's led to this behavior when I'm out for drinks, I'm already thinking about the next day and I'm thinking about how hungover I'll be. Obviously not when I'm pregnant, but you know what I mean? I'm already not enjoying myself in the moment because I'm thinking about the fallout that's going to happen. Um, so it's something that, it, that it's, I struggle with so much. It's like, just enjoy it. Just be frivolous in the moment. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining in to uh, for joining us for this episode. And if you would like to leave us a review or rate us on iTunes, we would be so grateful because it really does make a difference. But until next time, see ya. See you guys later. Thank you so much for joining us. If anything we talked about today resonated and you know a woman who needs to hear this too, please send her the episode and help us keep the movement going because women helping women only makes us stronger. To stay up to date on our latest episodes and the guests joining us, follow the She's Electric podcast on LinkedIn and Instagram. The music is Teenage Songbird by Forte, used with permission from the artist. We hope to see you again soon. Thank you.